0: Hello and welcome back to Bites of History with Irene Walton. I'm your host, Irene Walton, and I hope you're having a very happy new year. Have you ever wondered how it made it to your table? Have you ever wondered how it made it to your shelf? If you love food, then this is the show for you. Bites of History with Irene. So to start off, I just want to say... If you guys have noticed, I have a little bit of a, like a, like my eye is like kind of irritated. I don't know if you can tell from there. I'm not gonna get too close because I'm incredibly vain, but I also have a very strong work ethic. So I couldn't not put up a video today. <laughs> anyway, if you're, not, if you're just listening, you don't care at all. Ultimately, it doesn't matter. I'm just feeling a little insecure. So that's why I feel like I have to over explain it. Anyway, I felt like today was the perfect day to do this Bites of History. We're going to be talking about the history of diets and dieting. So right up top, just a couple of disclaimers. You guys know I want to be as clear as day with y'all. This is going to have a lot of talk about, you know, food and eating and, you know, some just some just some triggers for some people. So if you're in a place where you don't want to hear about diets or diet culture or anything like that, please feel free. There's like 34 other uh, episodes of Bites of History that you can listen to, and I would love for you to enjoy one of those and not feel uncomfortable about listening to this one. Also right up top, in case it wasn't clear, I am not a doctor. Couldn't be further from a doctor, Uh, not a nutritionist, not a dietitian. not an anything, anything, anything. Um, I am just a little baker on the internet. And (laughs) so... I am not giving medical advice. Today, I will just be telling you guys about the history of diets and dieting, some really crazy, kind of uh, scary diets that people have tried throughout the years, and what diets can ultimately do to you, for you, et etc. Et um, I also always thought it was et cetera, but it's et cetera. There's, there's another little history lesson for you. <laughs> Right up top, we are going to thank our sources. I used a lot this episode. So thank you to source.colostate.edu, skytarowellness.com, wikipedia.org, lordofthedrinks.org, hipporeads.com, twistedfood.co.uk, and the lindercenterofhope.org. So thank you so much to the sources. Couldn't do this episode without you. So I wanted to do this episode right at the top of the year in the beginning of January because I think that this is a time where so many of us are like, I need to take today and the beginning of January to start my new life, to start my new journey. And for a lot of people, that starts with their health and their well-being, which is a beautiful thing to be more cognizant of. However, I do think it is a very societal pressure to always have it be about your weight and your appearance, et etc. Cetera, et cetera. But a lot of people this is when a lot of people are thinking about dieting, and this is when a lot of people are thinking about exercising more and, you know, losing weight, etc. Which is fine. If that's what, something you want to do for yourself, great. But dieting has been happening in weird ways for a very, very long time. And as we'll find out later in the episode, is maybe not always the best route to go in terms of how to become a healthier person. But... Let's start at the beginning and we'll end at the end. How's that sound? (laughs) The history of dieting goes back very, very far. We can take it all the way back. Our first recorded history of a diet starts in 1087 AD with William the Conqueror, who was the king of England at the time. Now, he was known for a lot of things. I will let a different real history podcast (laughs) talk about all of that. Um, but he one of the things he was known for was these huge, huge feasts and, like, dinner parties that he used to throw at his house, right? And they were really, really popular. He loved them. He loved them very much. And as he got older... They sort of started to catch up with him a little bit more, and he gained a good amount of weight, so much so that he was actually not able to ride on his favorite horse anymore, and that was really, really upsetting for him. So William was like, yo, I got to fix something. I know exactly what I'll do. The problem is for me eating too much, I simply won't eat. Instead, I will lay in bed and only drink alcohol because that's the way To lose this weight and get back on my horse. So (laughs) that's our first diet. Our first diet ever is definitely restrictive, uh, to say the least and filled with alcohol. But you know, back then they didn't have all the science and the knowledge and stuff that we have now. So I am sure there was something where it was like, Oh, if it's just liquid, it just goes right through you and you'll, you know, lose all the weight, which it does seem as though it did technically work because within that same year William the Conqueror was back on his favorite horse. Now the tricky part is that as soon as he got back on his horse the horse did buck him off and he died in that accident. So that's where we're at with William the Conqueror and his alcohol only diet. It did technically seem to work and again I am recommending zero of these. I think these are all very bad ideas, but these are this is just the history of it. <laughs> Our next instance of a diet throughout history is with Luigi Cornaro, who was an Italian nobleman, architect, patron of the arts. He was quite the guy. People really liked him, and he was born in 1467. Now, by the time he was about 35 in like 1902, 1902, in 1502, by the time he was about 35 in 1502, he had become very unwell, just very sick, He was not feeling well. He was overweight. He was just not really able to keep himself going. So he knew that he had to make a major, major shift. Now, here we find another instance of a very alcohol-heavy diet. Um, Luigi decided that the best thing he could do for himself was to eat only 12 ounces of food a day and drink 14 ounces of wine a day. Now, what is crazy about this is that he notoriously lived for a very long time. He apparently lived until he was 102 years old and he published a book on this diet that he created for himself called The Immortality Diet and people actually kind of followed it for a while. I would not suggest it but I he did live for a long time so you know what? But also you know those stories about people who like smoke and drink their whole life and live till they're 95 so who knows? But he is our he is our second kooky crazy diet <laughs> throughout history in the 1500s in Italy. Now this odd trend of alcohol based diets continued through the 1960s, where we see the drinking man's diet. So the drinking man's diet consisted of quote unquote manly foods, which were basically just meat and fish, and then as much alcohol as you wanted. We all I can say is it seems as though we've come very far. In our knowledge of food and health and wellness, even just from the 1960s. Now, if we rewind a little bit, in the 1940s, we see we see cleanses come into the picture. Now, I, I think it's—I'm sure it's very clear. My feelings about diets and diet culture are are pretty apparent. Uh, coming up in this episode, it's just. It is insane. So in the 1940s, cleanses come around. Despite the fact that we have a lot of major organs in our body to cleanse ourselves, our kidneys cleanse us, our liver cleanses us, they're all they're in there for a reason. But some people like Stanley Burroughs in 1941 decided that you needed a master cleanse. You guys might've heard of this before. It got really popular again in the early 2000s because Beyonce said that she lost like 20 pounds in three weeks because of it. The master cleanse, which is not healthy also. The master cleanse is lemon juice, cayenne pepper, maple syrup, and water. And you drink that six times a day for 10 days. No, thank you. No, thank you. No, thank you. This is just another one of these like crazy fads that, you know, when it gets enough traction, people think that it actually works. And like, and you know, if you're drinking just lemon juice for 10 days, yeah, of course you're going to lose weight. (laughs) That's how it works. But... That's I, I, again, not a doctor, not a nutritionist, not a health professional. I don't think that's very healthy. Also, I've tried it. I've never I haven't tried like the quote unquote cleanse. I've tried like a sip of somebody's not good, not good. I'd rather just drink some water and eat a salad. I'll tell you what. Okay, now we're getting into some just some more crazy diets that people did. There was this one. Oh, my God, it's. I like, I debated putting this in here even because it's so gross, but it's called the last chance diet. Now, this diet came around in the 70s and it, (laughs) oh, it's so gross. And it consisted of, it consisted of something that they called a meat milkshake and it's not even what you're thinking it's literally even grosser like it's not like like you know you put a pound of ground beef in with like a smoothie no it was like blended up animal byproducts that were like the hides the hooves the horns the tendons like it was this blended up goo and it was supposed to help you lose weight which is disgusting and incorrect and also a lot of people died from it literally. so they stopped doing the last chance diet. <laughs> last chance am I right? You're telling me that one that one quickly ended. thank goodness. Now while all of these diets are <laughs> hopefully they're sounding crazy to you <laughs> because they are. There have been some even crazier ones like I feel like that last chance diet, You know, people died because it just didn't work out and you know, they didn't know that this would be harmful for them. However, there's other ones that I'm like, there's no way people could have believed this. This is just like intentionally harming yourself. Like the tapeworm diet. You heard me right, a tapeworm, the parasite, the scary, scary thing that's scary, absolutely. In the early 1900s, we see a rise in the tapeworm diet. Now, I saw a little bit of information on both of these, so I'm not entirely sure which one is right. But you would either ingest a literal tapeworm, like that was already grown, and you would eat it. Oh my God, that's so gross. Or you would ingest a pill that had a tapeworm egg in it, and then it would open and exist in you from there. So however however you got the tapeworm in you, there is now a tapeworm in you. The idea is that the tapeworm would then live in your tummy and eat all of the food that you ate. So you could eat whatever you want because really it was the tapeworm eating it and digesting it. Now, do I, am I a tapeworm scientist? No, but I, I will tell you what, I don't think it's ideal. I don't think this is a good idea because here's the thing. In theory, could I imagine somebody in 1904 being like, yeah, okay, so they're eating the food that I'm eating, so I'm not technically eating it. Sure. However, these tapeworms don't just like find your stomach, kick it, and vibe out for like a week and then leave. No, they can go wherever they want. If they happen to land in your stomach... Still not good for you, but that's what you wanted. But they can also attach to like your small intestine or, you know, a different organ or a different tissue in your body and chill there and then kill you or at the very least make you incredibly sick. So people have been doing crazy things to lose weight for a very, very long time. And it's scary. It's scary that this is such a part of our culture sometimes that it's like people are ingesting parasites. You know what I mean? People have ingested other insane things as well. Even just a quick Google search. If you type in weirdest diets, you'll find things like the cigarette diet, the sleep diet, the cotton ball diet, the staple diet. There are, they're really weird (laughs) and they are not healthy. Like the cotton ball diet, People were dipping cotton balls in which like, I don't know if I don't think I've ever said this online, but like that's one of that's one of my most like visceral reactions to stuff like a cotton ball to me, like the feeling of a cotton ball ripping makes me like like physically ill anyway. But people would like dip a cotton ball in like orange juice and eat it and it would like take up space in your stomach. This is, that's like a blockage. It's like an intentional blockage in your stomach. You have to get like surgery to get blockages out. It's scary. And then the cigarette diet is just people smoking cigarettes all the time. Stop that. It smells bad. Nobody likes it. (laughs) Anyway, all of these crazy diets and everything aside, what are they doing for us ultimately? What are these diets offering us? Now, the diet and weight loss industry is a $60 billion a year enterprise. And you know what? Big diet knows that diets don't work. They know that people are relying on them and trying desperately to get this body or this life that they've dreamed of and wanted. And they think a diet can do that. Now, am I saying that no diet has ever worked for anybody? Absolutely not. Maybe, maybe like Weight Watchers is something that somebody needed to get on the right track and they're living their best and they're super happy absolutely sensational. I'm so happy to hear it. But these yo-yo swing diets of 10 days here, 20 days here, five days doing this, the diet industry knows that it's going to swing back. Yeah, you might lose 10 pounds, but more often than not, you're going to gain 15 back because ultimately a diet is not sustainable. A healthy lifestyle is big time. Most people that are struggling with weight loss and obesity have other things going on and that is a product of something that may be going on on the deeper level. And maybe it's not and that's okay too. And I think it's also incredibly important to remember that like a diet isn't going to fix if you're feeling depressed, you know, like doing the master cleanse isn't going to fix if you're going through grief like that. And, and this is Maybe it's maybe that's happened for some people, and absolutely fantastic if it has. However, I'm speaking for the majority. You know what I mean? To me, diets are a poorly applied bandaid that may provide like a temporary fix, but ultimately it's not actually healing the wound. And in my experience, and in my research, as somebody who has struggled with weight loss and uh, you know lack of self esteem eating disorders, like just like trouble with food in the past. Truly, truly, truly the only thing that I've found that actually helps, that actually makes life a little better is a genuinely like healthy, balanced life. A lot of people like to live by the 80-20 rule. 80% of the time they're eating things that they know are good for them, that they know fuel their body, that makes them feel good. And 20% of the time they're eating the fun foods and the foods that are, you know, at a birthday party and that make you feel warm and cozy and happy inside. And I'm not saying that there's not some crossover, like I think a good salad, a good salad. How good is that? Anyway, a lot of people like to live by that. And again, I'm not trying to give you advice. I just want you to know that like, I know weight loss is hard and I know weight loss can be scary. And it's also not if it's not something that's in your heart that you want to do when so many people around us are like, I want to lose this many pounds by February. I want to stay this active by this month. And if that's just not in your heart, you don't have to feel like you need to do that either. Both are both are fine. Both are good. (laughs) You just need to do what feels right for you. If you are wanting to maybe get into a healthier lifestyle, it is so, so simple. I promise you. I know it can be intimidating. What's healthy? What's not? Da, da, da. A really, really light Google search can give you a, a wealth of resources. You'll find out, you know, broccoli, spinach, lean protein, all really pretty healthy things. Good for you. Eat as much as you can. And if you guys are lucky enough to be able to move your body, to walk, breathe, see all of these things on your own, like do that. Do what feels good. You don't have to exercise in a way you think everyone else is exercising. Just because somebody has a Peloton doesn't mean you need one. If you like to go on walks every day, but you're like, oh, that's not enough. Yeah, it is. Yes, it is. If you love dancing, go take dance classes. Like you just need to do what feels right for you in your heart, in your body, and you'll be fine. (laughs) This whole world of like diet, culture, and Fat shaming and all of this stuff is not necessary. You have to do what feels right for you. And that's that. If you feel good and healthy and strong and happy, don't change a thing. You know what I mean? You're beautiful. You're fun. You're kind. You're amazing. Everything is okay. Just because it's January 1st, 2nd, 3rd, 5th, 29th doesn't mean you need to change a single thing. Just wanted to remind you. People have been doing diets for a billion years. How many years is it actually? Like a thousand. (laughs) People have been doing diets for like a thousand years. And some of them are crazy and some of them are not. But all that matters is if you're doing okay. So that's it. That's it. That's my little soapbox about diets and diet history. And I just wanted to remind you that you're special and you're wonderful. And... Happy New Year, and I hope you do something really, really wonderful for yourself this week, and I will see you guys next week when we talk about the history of something. (laughs) All right, love you. Goodbye.